You're listening to the Real Estate of Things podcast. It is always a blast having friends on the podcast. Chad Musgrove, Senior Vice President of M&T Realty Corporation, joins me on today's episode. He and I ran into each other at a conference a couple months ago. We were on a panel, had an absolute blast. Today, inflation, the Fed, rate hikes, oh my. We dive into the opportunities that are present, though, even with all the dark sentiment that's cruising around. I'm Dalton Elliott. This is The Real Estate of Things. Chad Musgrove, my buddy, you're senior vice president of uh, M&T Realty Capital Corporation. Uh, I've known you for a while. We met on the conference circuit years ago through a colleague of mine and a mutual friend of ours, Courtney Newman's. Courtney knows everybody everywhere I've ever been with him. Uh, so he's uh, he's a great networker, connects people. I think probably half the people on this podcast uh, in some way uh, have a Courtney Newman's relationship. So he's he's brought you and me together here today to put out a podcast episode, which, uh, you know, we'll see how it stacks up against Courtney's. I'm sure... I, you're 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 a smart fella. So, and we have some fun topics today too. Uh, doom and gloom is that the name of the episode? No, this is good. All right, hey man, listen. I don't know if we want to make it that, but um, listen. I you know I think the the marketplace is in a very it's a very unique time and a unique position, right? And I, look, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. You're still seeing a ton of transactions take place. And at the end of the day, right, people are in this business because, uh, you know, they think they know what they're doing when it comes to real estate. Right. And a majority of the professionals and transactions that you see take place um, or I won't say a majority, but I'll say a, a good fair amount of them are people who have been in this business for a while. Right. And, and this business happens in cycles, you know, so we're just we're at a different point in the cycle. And that's it. And, you know, there will be. um there will be some losers because in order for someone to lose, someone else has to win. Right. So if you're, you know, taking that in the, the literal sense, it can mean that someone effectively loses capital on a transaction or it could be in the sense that, you know, someone sold a deal, made some money and they feel like they lost because the next guy sold it for a higher price. <laughs> right. But is that a bad thing? Yeah. It depends on uh, which side of the transaction you're on. Right. And yeah, it's, you know, we, you know, at the Lemoyne Capital, so plugged into what's going on. This is both of us live in the lending world. Uh, it's our day job. So constantly plugged in, trying to read the tea leaves on what's going to happen 12, 36 months down the road. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like choppy waters. I think the general sentiment I get from talking with people out on the road, uh, executive leadership here at our company is that there's, you know, Rocky waters are here. Um, yeah. And like you said, there are going to be some winners and losers. And what, what do you think, what do you think one of the first things to crack is, is it lenders who have had, you know, a little too aggressive LTVs, LTCs? What's, what do you think the first chink in the armor is going to be uh, related to our space on the kind of non-owner occupied investment lending side? Well, I mean, look, it's a couple of things, right? Let's let's think about it in this perspective. When when the lender made that loan, was that loan too aggressive at that time? Right? Was that was the LTV, you know, too high at that time? I mean, we gotta understand valuations are where they are in the marketplace because 
someone truly believes that that's the value, right? When it comes down to a purchase, you're willing to purchase an asset because you believe in that price. You believe you can, you know, add value to it and further, you know, create or enhance the the subject property in some way that's going to then allow you to achieve an even higher valuation. So I can't, you, you can't say for certain that, you know, the lender was wrong to provide X, you know, LTV on this transaction because the fundamentals or we, we would assume one, right, that they have fundamentals um, and that their, you know, analysis was evidence based. Right. Did, did Dalton purchase the property down the street for the same amount of money? You know, did, did Courtney purchase the next property down the street for, you know, a similar amount of money? Right. Is their capital still flowing into that specific area of business? You know, are jobs being created? Um, you know, both of us are, are in the multifamily space. Right. So are there safe schools nearby? You know, where, where are the grocery stores? Essentially, all the market drivers that you think of that makes a community great. Right. Or at the same token, Typically, people are looking for value, so they're going into markets that may, you know, quote unquote, be on the fringe or, you know, be tertiary or secondary. But they've got some demand drivers which have people thinking that, hey, this is going to be a market that may change in the near future. And I'm going to realize, you know, a certain return for my equity. So this is why I'm investing here. So to say that, a lender made the wrong choice. You know, my question that I have to ask to that is, well, why did they make that decision? Again, was it evidence-based? You know, what else did they see? Is there analysis rooted in the data? You know, that I can't really say. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I think the only certain thing is it's going to be interesting and there's going to be a lot of curveballs the next 6, 12, 18 months um let's 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 bounce from from fun topic to fun topic inflation you and i were chatting about that a little (laughs) bit beforehand um i didn't i'm understanding i'm 29 years old i'm understanding that i didn't fully appreciate and i don't think i do at this point but i didn't really appreciate inflation uh up until this point in my life because there has not been much inflation to appreciate and oh my uh, yeah, there's plenty of it right now. So what in the world is going on? How does that affect our space? Yes. And if you can get some stuff, right, you still have supply chain issues with everything, 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 everything. So not only is it hard to find something, even if you you know have the cash and want to buy it, but then it's more expensive, way more expensive. So what in the world, Chad, fix this. <laughs> I mean, listen, if I had the secret sauce, Dalton, I don't think we'd be sitting here on this podcast. We, you know, we'd probably be taking my butt out somewhere down to the keys. It'd be a different conversation. Right. But um, I mean, look, bottom line, right. Too much capital chasing too few goods and services. You're going to have inflation. So when you couple that with, you know, a pandemic that, you know, had taken place, and, you know, by, by some measure, people still argue that, you know, we're quote unquote may still be in it or at the tail end of it. You had the reduction in the supply chain. You had businesses closed. You had some businesses that went away. So inherently, you know, inflation is just going to be higher because not only is there a limited supply of those goods, there's a limited, a limited number 
and or should I back up and say that there's fewer actual suppliers in the marketplace, right? So that just makes for this perfect storm that you're you know you're seeing today. So I mean, look to have a crystal ball and say when will the inflation end? I mean, is it you know going to come from the Fed continuing to push rates? Is it going to be at some point once you know businesses are either able to you know optimize in a fashion to keep up with demand, or do they open up production elsewhere? I, you know, those things we can't answer. You know, we can continue to look at sales and services or different businesses and see what, you know, see what they're doing to catch up. But I, you know, I think inflation is just going to be here a while to stay. Your, your gas is going to cost a little bit more. You know, your groceries are going to be a little more expensive. Hopefully your Wi-Fi bill isn't going up too much. Uh, but I, look, I mean, again, that that's a part of the cycle, right? That's kind of how the cycle in this business goes. And when inflation creeps up, which is why, you know, you tend to see people seek out real estate in order to hedge their bets against it. Now, at the same token, one would also argue that if you're, you know, uh, someone who supports free markets and no hand control in the marketplace, you know, do you say, hey, let's just back up and leave it alone? Or do you say we intervene because at the same time we intervened when there was a pandemic and before that, when there was a great recession to, you know, artificially reduce rates to stimulate business. And now we're essentially just at the end result of that, that, you know, you just, you got to remember in this business, everything's always lagging, you know, something you do a couple years before is now going to take effect and be here today. And I think that's true in the sense of what we're seeing now. Yeah. Uh, from from an operator standpoint, right, is the best thing an operator can do right now, if you have some type of value add project or new construction, is it just buy as much of what you need as early in the process as you can, because the smart money is probably on, you know, a continued supply constraint and continued inflation, at least, you know, we probably see that through the balance of this year. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, you see, you got to still be a betting man on that one, right? You know, think about it. The price of lumber came down a little bit from where it was still high historically. You know, if, if you expect the supply chain to open back up, then no, you know, you're, you're not going to go out and go buy, you know, a wealth of items and put them in some storage and wait to use them. But if you still have real concerns about that being the case and or, you know, you you have a bead on, you know, specific materials that may still be hard to find, um, you know, depending on your business, then, yeah, you buy them. So, I, I mean, I think the pendulum can swing either way to the question. Um, but at the end of the day as well, too, what you also have to consider is, you know, speed of execution, you know, speed of execution and not only delivering your product, but speed of execution and saying that once I deliver now, how am I going to drive a capital event to return the equity to myself and my investors? Right. So are you focused on simply just executing at, you know, now numbers and costs? And you couple that with rising interest rates and you let the cards fall where they may be. 
Or do you say, hey, you know what? We expect things to open up a little bit. Folks are going back to work. You know, production is going to increase. um, And, you know, we're just going to have to kind of take our bets with where interest rates may be. Because in the foreseeable near term, you know, there's an expectation that rates will continue to rise, you know, at least another 75 bits from the Fed. So what you have to, I think the question is twofold because you have to consider that coupled with your earlier question in that, you know, the lenders, you know, overextend themselves, et cetera. And the reason why my answer was what it was, because as rates rise, we all know what's going to happen. I mean, it's a function of the math. You're only going to be able to borrow so much money as interest rates rise. So it's really... I don't think there's one quick solution for it. I think it's more so, do you want the chicken or do you want the egg? <laughs> right? So, Yeah, it's just our, our conversation is indicative of the time, right? Like it's, it's just such a guessing game. Uh, I think the one, the one thing I come back to when I go down that pathway of real estate guessing game is that like there's such uh a supply imbalance, right? Like we're still way behind the eight ball on just housing supply. And that's something, that's not something that's going away and normalizing in the next six, 12 months, maybe 18 months from now, just depending on how everything goes. But that's a, that's a relatively deep medium term uh, problem that's being worked on. And that's something that I look to as kind of a beacon of light through everything else. You have inflation, you have, supply chain issues going down the line, those things. Uh, but, but in terms of, you know, tailwinds for the industry, that supply issue, uh, which just naturally happened because of underbuilding post great recession, right? You just had a snap back to new construction that just had stopped. And then it was a slow creep back up. And I think whenever we hit the pandemic, we were still below, you know, pre 08 building levels. And so it's just a supply issue just hasn't, uh, hasn't gone away. So when I look at that, it's like you have a supply demand imbalance, which from a housing health standpoint, um, isn't, you know, it's not problematic. And you would argue from a lender standpoint and from an operator standpoint, like that creates opportunity. So that's one thing I look to as, you know, a positive tailwind and it's a, you know, mutually beneficial thing for everyone, right? The more, uh, renovation and creation we have around housing, the more opportunity you have for renters, owner occupants, investors, uh, all down the line. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, look, man, when you, you know, one thing you specifically say, which was very important, right. That we've underbuilt for some time now. Um, I'd honestly have to go back to check the statistic to make sure that I'm hundred percent accurate, but you know, Last I looked, I mean, it, it, we were talking, you know, six, seven million units that we were short of, you know, quote unquote, affordable housing. Right. And we're talking about someone just simply not having to pay 50 percent, you know, of their monthly income towards their rent. Think about that number. 50 percent of what you take home to simply go to one expense. Right. So you couple that with inflation, you know, you couple that with supply chain and, and, and other issues. So now as an operator, 
you know, I, I really think that, you know, we're, we're going to be in a period and we're moving towards a period in the time where, you know, the really good operators are going to be the ones who are going to be successful because they can do that further calculation to say, okay, well, this person's already spending 40, 40, 50% of their income on their rent. You know, now what happens, you know, when their gas is up, you know, 40%, what happens when their groceries are up, you know, 15% and how can I still incrementally, you know, create some type of values. And so now maybe your, your rents don't move, you know, 150 bucks, right? Maybe they only move 60 bucks, um, you know, or something like that. And so again, I just, I think you're moving into that period where really being an operator is going to be, you know, very important versus having a, you know, blanket solution to saying, okay, you know, all of my properties, we're going to, you know, reduce um, rental rates by 10%, right? That may not work for a certain market where, you know, the, the tenants at your property spend an hour and 20 minutes commuting both ways, Right. That may work at, you know, a property where someone's hopping on the train or using public transportation just because, you know, their their transit card is 10 or 15 percent more expensive. But, you know, if that person's got to get in the car, drive an hour to get to work a day, you know, they got to drop their kid off at daycare. They still got to get groceries. You know, they still got to go pick up medication or they still got to run to a doctor's appointment, et cetera. You know, these are real life experiences that are now becoming a bit more, you know, cumbersome um, just because you simply got to factor in how much more money you're spending on gas, you know, or you got to factor in how much money, how much more money you're spending on food, Um, you know? So, I mean, yeah, I think we're, you know, we're at an interesting time in the marketplace where, I mean, look, deals are still getting done. There's there, you know, there are lenders out there that still will make transactions happen. And, you know, the the question then becomes though, does the fundamental underwriting coupled with the pricing allow you to borrow the money that you need in order to execute your returns for your investors? So no, I may not be able to pay you that, you know, 20% return or 16% return. You might get a 10 now or, you know, an eight. I might only pay you, you know, 3% cash on cash, right? So then what happens to that investor that says, hey, I'm not an operator, you know, I was just looking to get this return, but now I can go get that, you know, in some other asset class, right? So, you know, going to be challenges for sure. But um, again, I think that that goes back to, you know, where you're the owner operator, you really got to find now that fine balance, um, to executing a business plan and making sure it's successful for your investors. Yeah. Just have to be more careful than ever before. You and I were at a conference a couple of months ago in Texas and that was, that was a big topic on the panel of like, you need to have, you know, you can't have loose assumptions there, right? Like now is the time that you need to really stress test every deal uh, using some unfavorable assumptions because, there's a decent chance that those unfavorable assumptions uh, pan out and you do not want to be underwriting, you know, for your own potential deal, like, like just this cushy, cozy, everything's going to keep going like it has gone the last 24 months. Cause that is absolutely, I mean, look at 
you know, it makes me sick to my stomach. Look at the market. Look at I give plenty of red everywhere. It's like this is this is different from uh, the last couple of years. And so to keep keep your assumptions fixed uh, from 2020, 2021, 2022, it's just far too dynamic of a world right now. Um, far too much uncertainty that being on the conservative side is is absolutely 100% the way to go. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I, I think one thing we can be certain about, right? Interest rates are up. <laughs> They're up from where they were. Um, that being said, you know, they still are lower than where they've been, you know, historically, right? Um, yeah, I've been in this business over a decade now. So, you know, having seen things kind of come full circle, I, I mean, look, you know, today in the agency world, right? I mean, we're, you know, we're quoting deals anywhere from the low to mid fives, you know, depending on product type, size, deal, location, et cetera. Um, depending on leverage, you know, that that's, you know, higher leverage, I would say, if you can get 70, 75% today. But, um, you know, depending upon, you know, leverage, lower leverage could be a little bit cheaper than that. But that's a that's a far cry away when you know the ten year treasury is you know hovering around three point three percent, been up to three four three five, and that's a far cry away from you know the days where we were at a two and a half percent you know ten year treasury. So it, you know when you when you do the fundamental underwriting of transactions, I think the key and most important part, right, is to to really figure out how you model out the exit structure. Because if I'm telling you that, you know, a, I mean, look, even one of the longest term cheapest financing tools, right? The the HUD 223F refinance product, you know, 80, 80% leverage refinance product. You know, you can quote a deal today at 475 for that. That, you know, may sound relatively cheap to, you know, a Fannie Mae execution that's at, you know, 53 5.5%. Right. But still a little bit higher than what things have been historically. So it's going to come down to you, you know, coming up with essentially a return solution for your investors and saying, okay, are we comfortable with, you know, taking 35 years of loan term, but it's going to take us, you know, longer than 60 days to close a deal. Right. So, I mean, that, you know, part of that reason was actually, you know, in my recent job change, you know, why I made that move. I mean, it's you, you want to have, you know, multiple tools and weapons for your clients and be able to really give them a, you know, a full service approach. Right. Because in turn, they've got to do the same thing for their investors. So when you when you really look at the overall marketplace, right, it's it's really just figuring out how to be service driven and say, hey, here's how we're going to execute today. You know, this is what we're going to do to combat inflation. This is what we're going to do to combat, you know, rising rates. And then it also comes down to what marketplace you're going to play in. Right. Yeah. Product development during these times is always uh, very different than product development, you know, a year ago, whenever you know, HPA was just up and to the right. And it's like, you could, as an, as an operator, like you could, you could be a little bull in a China shop with assumptions and plowing through and like, you'll be okay. Like HPA is going to save your tail. Uh, banking on that now is, uh, is becoming more and more perilous. So, but, but yeah, like still no shortage of opportunity. Uh, American housing is strong. And when you think back to the last drop off, uh, like you had, the, the core issues of 
uh, you know, fraud, misrepresentation, things that just uh, had at the time an unhealthy, although we didn't realize it uh, in a lot of ways, housing market. And like, housing market's strong now. And so there's just some normalization that's going to happen. Like you said, I, one thing I remind, um, like to remind our sales team about here at, at Lima One is that, you know, even relative to when I got here, this month is seven years at the firm for me. And I started underwriting 30 year debt for our rental product. You know, we were on, I was doing loans at eight and a half, close to 9% for 30 year fixed SFRs. And people like we were growing as a company rapidly at that pace. People would give it to me, give it to me. And yeah, when you look at, uh, when you look at rates through the historical lens, you're like, we're fine right now. We're fine. So uh, yeah, I think ending on that, ending on that truly positive, but very real and factual note. Uh, that's what we're going to do. We started with some smiles. We're going to end with some smiles. Chad Musgrove, hey, congrats, congrats on the new role, by the way, uh, over at M&T Realty Capital. Very happy for you. I uh, can't wait to see you out on the road again. Uh, I know you're a busy family man too. So you're always holding down the fort there. So thank you with everything you have going on in your life. Thank you so much for sitting down and taking some time with me, my friend. Well, Dawn, I appreciate you having me, man. And uh, it's truly an honor. You know, love what uh, you and the, the Lima folks are doing over there. Love the entire team from the top down, right? So you guys are really doing something special and you've grown a great company. So always good to be in uh, in the presence of, uh, of greatness and good company like yourself, man. So anytime, hopefully you'll have me back. 100%. You are the man. Chad, thank you so much for joining and thanks everybody for listening. Take care. Are you a real estate investor looking for the right lender that can finance all your deals and help you scale? Lima One Capital has the best suite of loan products in the industry bar none. Whether that's fix and flips, fix and holds, building new construction, or buying rental properties, they have incredible financing solutions for it all. A reliable, common-sense lender is one of the most important parts of your investment team. And that's exactly what you get with Lima One. Let Lima One Capital show you how they've helped thousands of real estate investors scale and increase their wealth. Check out LimaOne.com or call 800-259-0595 to speak with a consultant in preparation for your next project. Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate of Things podcast. Subscribe and tune in weekly for new content from the industry's best while we continue to unpack the nuances of this dynamic market. Follow us across social media for additional insights and analysis on the topics covered in each episode. And remember to rate, review, and share the show.